This is the Ancient Texan. I just started a book called Unsettled. It's about um, climate change. And this little introduction is to warn you that if you're happy with our current climate policy and what everybody believes about this subject, um, you shouldn't keep listening to this because this will be unsettling at best. But if you like the hype that we're living through right now and the plan that we're doing to address to address global warming. I wouldn't stick around for the next 10 episodes or so as I go through this book and give you the highlights. I find it disturbing and a bitter pill to, fall, to swallow. This is the ancient Texan. Namaste. This is the Ancient Texan. I'm going to go through a book called Unsettled by Stephen Coonan. You can look into him, but he seems to be a very legit climate uh, scientist. The book is about what climate science tells us what it doesn't tell us, and why it matters. There are several layers through which the climate story comes to us. There's thousands of scientists working on different aspects of climate change. They write papers. Then they have these big conferences where... Uh, other scientists get together and kind of like task groups and write summaries of what has been learned over the, since the last conference they had. And then the media gets hold of those assessments and they do their thing and goes out to the public. And then the policy holders, the policy makers, respond to what the media says, and we get climate policy, and we get the story, and you either join the story, adopt the religion, or you don't. And typically, Democrats do and Republicans don't. But part of the reason we've got such a sharp divide 
is the story from the scientist to the assessment groups, to media, to policymakers who altered the story again, to us. Um, it's kind of like that phone phone game where you sit in a circle and you whisper something to the person next to you and they whisper it around the circle and it comes back to you. I think we've lost the message. And so we create a message that's very political and polarized. Polarized? That might actually be a good word, but it's not the one I want. It's very biased. This work by Stephen here, Unsettled, will unsettle you. No pun intended. This book's a couple of years old, and he talks a lot about scientific integrity. You can see the chapters. Okay, this first chapter, it's not even a chapter, first introduction, um, ought to be disturbing to most people. And if it's not, then it means you've probably already dismissed it um, and moved on and decided this is enough for you. The science says, we hear all the time, and the science is settled. The story goes, humans have already broken the Earth's climate. Temperatures are rising, sea level is surging, ice is disappearing, and heat waves, storms, droughts, floods, and wildfires are ever worsening. Scourge on the world, greenhouse gas emissions are causing all of this, and unless they're eliminated promptly by radical changes to society and its energy system, the science says Earth is doomed. Hmm. There's a line in The Princess Bride. I do not think the science says what you think it says. For example, both research literature and government reports that summarize and assess the state of the climate say clearly that heat waves in the U.S. are now no more common than they were in 1900 and that the warmest temperatures in the U.S. have not risen in the past 50 years. When I tell most people this, most are incredulous. Some gasp and some downright get hostile. 
compliance. Science clearly states that heat waves in the U.S. are now no more common than they were in 1900. And that the warmest temperatures in the U.S. have not risen in the past 50 years. Wow, I bet that's not what you believed. And here's some more from the U.S. government and the U.N. Client science published by the U.S. government and the U.N. This is down, you know, go down layers, get down to what the scientists said, not what got filtered up to you. Humans have had no detectable impact on hurricanes over the past century. Hmm, but that's not what you thought. Greenland's ice sheet isn't shrinking any more rapidly today than it was 80 years ago. <clears throat> the ice sheet is not shrinking any greater, any more rapidly than it was 80 years ago. <clears throat> the net economic impact of human-induced climate change will be minimal through at least the end of this century. Wow. Maybe you should get a copy of this book. I wouldn't trust me to just summarize the important stuff. And as you know, <clears throat> we face certain doom unless we change our ways. Doom and gloom. The public gets their climate information almost exclusively, exclusively from the media. Okay, this goes into his background, which seems pretty damn impressive to me. In this book, He's going to go through where the data is poor or the assumptions weakly supported. How reliable are the models that we use to describe the, the past and project the future? Seems like a good thing to do. Here's what he discovered at his APS workshop. Humans exert a growing growing, but physically small warming influence on the climate. The deficiencies of climate data challenge our ability to untangle the response to human influences from poorly understood natural changes. How much of a effect are we having? It's hard to figure out. The results from multiple from the multitude of climate models disagree with or even contradict each other and many kinds of observations. A vague 
expert judgment was sometimes applied to adjust model results and obfuscate shortcomings. Need a little help there saying that word. Government and UN press releases and summaries do not accurately reflect the reports themselves. There was a consensus at the meeting on some important issues, but not at all the strong consensus the media promulgates. Distinguished climate experts, including report authors themselves, are embarrassed by some of the media portrayals of the science. This was somewhat shocking. In short, the science is insufficient to make useful projections about how the client will change over the coming decades, much less what effect our actions will have on it. Wow, wow, wow. If that's true, it borders on a hoax what we've been uh, we've been sold. We just bought a bridge in Arizona. Policymakers and the public may wish for the comfort and certainty in their climate science. <clears throat> but that I but I fear that rigidly promulgating the idea that climate science is settled or is a hoax demeans and chills the scientific enterprise, retarding its progress in these important matters. Uncertainty is a prime mover and motivator of science and must be faced head on. Okay, he's not going to say that climate change our climate science is a hoax. But neither is he going to say that we have more things settled and understood than what the science says. Seems fair enough. Now, you have to make a question on whether, you know, he actually pulls that off or not. Climate alarmism has come to dominate U.S. policies. No joke. Green New Deal that would fight climate change. That's one of the proposals. Now, how accurate is that based on the science? John Kerry is the climate envoy and proposed spending of almost $2 trillion in this fight that is existential threat to humanity. I'll put my two cents in there. Nuclear war is an existential threat. And you put nuclear war, let's say, let's say we just call a limited nuclear war where we knock out uh, New York, Los Angeles, let's say Atlanta. And we knock out Moscow, uh, Leningrad and Petersburg or whatever. I don't know my Russians. Or maybe Beijing and China. Let's just say a limited nuclear war. We don't use a 6,000 nuclear weapons. We only use a half a dozen. 
I would call that a 10 on the existential scale. A full-out nuclear war, I, I don't even think it's worth talking about it so bad. I personally would put climate change like a 2 or 3 on that existential threat scale. An asteroid running into our planet and knocking it out of orbit, I put that at 10 too. Well, who knows? You know, 11 on a 1 to 10 scale doesn't make much difference. Trillion dollar decisions about reducing human influence, human influence on the climate are in the end about values, risk tolerance, intergenerational and geographical geographical equities, and a balance among economic development, environment, environmental impact, and energy cost availability or reliability. One of if you listen to my channel, you know I'm kind of already on that wavelength, which is what kind of led me to this book. But they must be informed by accurate understanding of scientific certainties and uncertainties. He attempts to, to get us on a road to understanding by using documented facts, almost all drawn from the most up-to-date official assessments or quality research literature. Okay, this, he's telling you in, in advance, this is not his stuff. He's just digging down in that first layer of what the scientists say and bringing it through to us instead of letting it go through the assessment reports, although it takes some stuff from the assessment reports and government reports, up through the media layer and up through the political layer, and he just goes around all that and goes directly from the bottom where the stuff facts are coming and, and talks to us about them. Scientific integrity. He spends a lot of time talking about that and why he has to write this book. Much of what the public portrayal of climate science suffers from Venom's Wesson oil problem. An effort to persuade rather than inform the information presented with Hode's essential context or what doesn't fit. Uh, this is about a commercial that they ran on Wesson Oil that says it doesn't soak into your food. It's true if you have the oil hot enough when you start that this it doesn't soak into your food. But the truth is, no oil, if it's hot enough, soaks into the food. So it's a, it's a long discussion about how uh, an ad can have everything completely true in it and still be misleading you. Scientists are ethically bound to the scientific method, in effect promising to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but which means well, you must include all the doubts, the caveats, the ifs, and buts. 
we on the other hand we are not just scientists but human beings as well so we have to offer up scary scenarios make simplified dramatic statements and make little mention of any doubts we might have now, this is actually talking about how we have done it not how we should do it we offer up scary scenarios make simplified dramatic statements and make little mention of any doubts we might have that's the current plan that we're listening to it doesn't matter what is true it only matters what people believe is true this is from Greenpeace, so you can misuse the truth to get your point across. We've got to ride this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, we will be doing the right things in terms of economic and environmental po policy. Some colleges who share some of my doubts argue that the only way to get our society to change is to frighten people with a possibility of a catastrophe. And therefore, it is all right and even necessary for scientists to exaggerate. Then they tell me my belief in open and honest assessments is naive. The media is filled with scary climate prediction. Here are a few old enough to have been proven wrong. Inaction will cause, by the turn of the century, 2000, an ecological catastrophe which will witness devastation as complete, as irreversible as any nuclear holocaust. Within a few years, winter snowfalls in the UK will become a very rare and exciting event. Children are aren't going to know what snow is. That's 2000. European cities will be, be plunged beneath rising seas as Britain is plunged into a Siberian climate by 2020. That's some of the past scary stuff. Scientists have an ethical obligation There's nothing at all wrong with scientists as activists, but activism masquerading as a science is pernicious. Then we go into the different sections of the book. How is climate change? How will change in the future? What impact those changes will be? It offers some basics about the official assessment reports. What are the actual indications that we have a warming global globe? And puts them in a geological context. How is the temperature of the earth actually determined? The de connection between CO2 emissions. 
and concentration diminishes the prospect of even stabilizing growing human influences. Okay, I get, didn't get that. The most important human influence on climate is the growing concentration of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, largely due to the burning of fossil fuels. This is the focus of Chapter 3, particularly how the connection between CO2 emissions and concentration diminishes the prospect of even stabilizing growing human influences. He talks about computer models. Contradictions between science and the belief that the climate is already broken. This chapter focuses on record high temperatures in the U.S. They're no more common today than they were in 1900. Yet you wouldn't know that from the misrepresentation of allegedly authoritative assessment report. Chapter 6 likewise explains why experts conclude that human influence haven't caused any observable changes in hurricanes and how assessment reports obscure or distort that finding. Chapter 7, I describe the modest changes seen in precipitation and related phenomenon over the past century, discussing their significance and highlighting some points likely to surprise anyone who follows the news. For instance, the global area burned by fires each year has declined 25% since observations became, began in 1998. The big fires we see each year, the area burned is, has decreased since 1998. Talks about sea levels, that they've been changing one foot per century uh, for a thousand years. kind of get the idea of what we're going to be looking at, don't you? A lot of the stuff that we've been told is not actually based on science. Part two of the book, the book begins a discussion of the response story by drawing a distinction between what society could do, what it should do, and what it will do in response to the climate change. And then he gets into um, what it would actually take to go to zero carbon. And is there a plan B? Is there another way that we could do this better? Should we discuss the plan? pros and cons of each plant. Okay, that that I think enough is uh, for an introduction today. We might pick up a few more points here uh, next time. But I, I think that's a good enough introduction to this book. And we'll be ready to go into understanding uncertainties. 
the ancient Texan with an introduction to unsettle. Unsettled. If you think you know everything you need to know about climate change, because you think it's all settled.